Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What up, Cavs Nation? Welcome to another thrilling episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Sands, and I couldn't be more excited to be here with you today. I'm joined by none other than your favorite Cavs beat reporter, Chris Fedor. What up, Chris? What's going on, Ethan? We're at the tail end of this thing, finally. Yeah, I hope next time I get to talk to you, you'll actually be at home. Oh, yeah, I hope so, too. You hope. (laughs) I hope. My wife hopes. I think my son hopes, too, at this point in time. It's been a long time on the road. Amen to that. But I want to have a little fun today. The NBA recently came out with their updated MVP prediction ladder, and they ranked Donovan Mitchell eighth on the list. Here's who they have from one to seven. Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Stephen Curry, and Anthony Edwards. I thought it would be fun to go through the awards for this season and give out our two early takes about who we think is going to win the awards and come back later in the season and see how we did. Let's start with this MVP conversation. How do you think the NBA did with this list and how do you feel about where Donovan Mitchell is ranked? So I think they did well. I think any MVP list at this stage of the season, given everything that he's accomplished already this year and given his past, I think you have to start every MVP list with Jokic. There is no player in the NBA that means more to his team's success than Jokic. There's no player in the NBA that puts up the kinds of statistics that Jokic does on a consistent basis. It's a walking triple-double. We've never seen anybody like him. We've never seen anybody as productive as him. Put some respect on Russell Westbrook's name. Oh, come on. Stop hey, it. you talking about walking no, triple-double. No, no, no. We talking about the triple-double. <laughs> Ethan, Russ was out there stat-padding, and you know it. Players okay. were getting out of his way so that he could get rebounds and assists, and it wasn't contributing to winning. I mean, that's the difference here when it comes to Jokic. Denver is arguably, I mean, whatever you want to say about their record, whatever you want to say about the standings right now, Denver is the team to beat in the Western Conference, reigning NBA champions, and Jokic is integral to everything that they do at both ends of the floor. So I don't even want to hear any comparisons to Russ and Jokic because Russ did not impact games the way that Jokic does on a nightly basis for Denver. So I think it makes sense that he's number one. I think Nikola Jokic should have won it last year. All I was saying was you were talking about we've never seen somebody average triple-double. No, I said we've never seen somebody impact the game the way that Jokic does. That's the difference. Let's get back to why we're here. 
What do you feel about this list? Obviously, Jokic should be number one. How do you feel about how the rest of the list panned out and where Donovan Mitchell was at? I think it makes sense that Embiid is number two. Luka for Dallas. Dallas is off to a great start. Everybody knows how great Luka is. I was struggling to find a way to put Luka in my top five last year for NBA MVP because Dallas completely collapsed down the stretch. But if Dallas is going to be one of the top teams in the Western Conference by record, then Luka is going to be in the MVP conversation every single year. The one that I thought should have been a little bit higher, and again, it's so early in the season, we're only 10 games in, there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be decided in both conferences, and there's so much time for this to change. But like, Indiana is one of the feel-good stories in the entire NBA. Indiana is number three in the Eastern Conference right now. They're seven and four, coming off a big win against Philly. And Tyrese Halliburton is the engine of everything Indiana. He runs their offense. I'm mad at you, Chris, because you have exactly what I have. That (laughs) is hilarious because I literally was going to say the only thing that I would change about this list is that I would put Donovan Mitchell at nine because it goes Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton, and then Giannis Antetokounmpo at 10. It goes eight, nine, 10 in that order. And I think the only thing I would change is I would put Tyrese Halliburton higher on that list. Not only because of how well the Pacers are playing, but because of how gritty that team is and how much of an impact he's made. I mean, he nearly has triple the amount of assists that Donovan Mitchell has. Not to knock Donovan Mitchell at all, but Halliburton's leading the league in assists, and he's also leading the league and points from assists per game. So that's a credit to the Pacers' offense as a whole and how they're knocking down shots, and we know that the Cavs have had an issue with that this season so far. But I'm not actually mad at you, but Tyrese Halliburton has been playing out of his mind, and that's exactly what I was going to go with. I mean, I'll take it a step further. It's not just about him and me thinking that he should be higher than Donovan Mitchell on this list. I think Tyrese Halliburton should be in the top five of any kind of MVP conversation at this point in the season. They're seven and four. They're one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. He is not playing alongside another all-star player. He makes everybody on his team better. And that, to me, is the definition of value. If you took Tyrese Halliburton off the Pacers, they lose their identity. They don't function the same way at both ends of the floor. They aren't nearly as effective. It's the same thing with Jokic. He's involved in everything that the Nuggets do. Their system functions the way that it does because of his gifts. His gifts as a scorer, his gifts in the post, his gifts as a passer. It's the same thing with Tyrese Halliburton. So at this point, Ethan, honestly, I would rank it Jokic 1, Embiid 2, and Halliburton 3. I think he's been that good for the Pacers. I think he's been that important for the Pacers. And as somebody who has an MVP vote every single year, I don't think he should be overlooked simply because he plays for Indiana if the Pacers continue to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. If they fall out of the playoff picture, if they fall out of the play-in picture, then it's tougher to make that argument. But he is just so important to everything that they do. Listen, that's exactly what I was thinking when thinking of Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum. Like, Boston is expected to be at the top of the Eastern Conference. That is an expected thing to happen. 
So it's not surprising the what they're doing. But Luka Doncic and the Mavericks were supposed to be this highly speculated team last year when they got Kyrie, and they just fell off the face of the earth. And this year, they kind of turned it around. Sure, people were predicting Luka and Kyrie to be a decent tandem, all that good stuff. I agree with you. I think Tyrese needs to be in the top five. I just would put him at five. I would say Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Luka, Jason, and then Tyrese. That's how I would have it. This is no disrespect to Jason Tatum. I mean, he's a great player. Obviously, we understand that, Ethan. And he's really, really important to what Boston does. It's just when it comes to team-centric situations like that, I have a hard time as a voter parsing through and saying to myself, how important is he when he's also playing alongside Drew Holiday, when he's also playing alongside Jalen Brown and Kristaps Porzingis? Like, there is no debate that Tatum is one of the best players in the NBA, and he is the best player on his own team. But it's like, it's a little bit different in terms of trying to assess his value because of the great players that he's surrounded by. And it's not the same situation with the Pacers, right? It's not the same situation with the Oklahoma City Thunder if you're making an argument for Shea Gilgis Alexander. So I don't want to say I'm taking points away from Jason Tatum necessarily, and I'm going to give him every single consideration that I do everybody else. It's just harder for me to figure out who is most important for that particular team when you're talking about multiple all-star caliber players on the same team. And honestly, Ethan, I think Tyrese Maxey's probably going to run into the same kind of situation because people are going to be like, well, it's Embiid there in Philly. Like how much weight can we give to what Tyrese Maxey is doing when Embiid is the best player on that team and he's so central to what they do? Like it might be a situation, Ethan, where Embiid and Maxey take votes away from each other. That could happen this year. Let's move on to the next category. One of the most highly anticipated awards that includes another Cavs player this year has just come out with new betting odds for the Defensive Player of the Year. According to betting odds that we just got, Rudy Gobert is number one at plus 550, Anthony Davis follows at plus 750, Jaron Jackson Jr. is plus 800, Victor Weminyama is at plus 900, Evan Mobley is at plus 1,000, and then Bam Adebayo is at plus 1,300. This is a decent list. If I had to make my pick right now, not based on how his health will pan out for the rest of the season, I'm going with Anthony Davis. He leads the league in blocks, and he's just such a focal point for the Lakers defense. He literally is the next guy to take the reins from LeBron James. And that in itself is a crazy thing to say based on how much of an impact LeBron has had, not only on the offensive end for his teams, on every team that he's played for, but also defense. But I feel like that's a gimme pick. And if I had to make a bolder prediction, I'd say that I believe the next player that I would think would get the award has the chance to be the first rookie ever to win the Defensive Player of the Year award in Victor Weminyama. Stop. (laughs) What'd I do? He's great. There's no doubt about it. Like, he is an intimidating force at both ends of the floor. He can block shots that other dudes can't block. He can test shots that other dudes can't contest. They're going to finish, Ethan, with one of the worst defenses in the NBA. I just don't know how, as voters, we could reward an individual player like Wemby when the San Antonio Spurs are giving up 119.4 points per 100 possessions. Like, how much of an impact is he really making on the defensive end of the floor when they're that bad defensively? 
I'm going to stick with my original pick in Anthony Davis. I just wanted to see what you would say about the Victor Weminyama take. But the closest person to ever win Defensive Player of the Year in his rookie season actually did it in his second season, and that was Alvin Robertson. He did it also as a part of the Spurs in the 1985-86 season. But who would you have picked to be the Defensive Player of the Year this year? Who will you pick? So I don't know who I'm going to pick. I'm going to let this thing play itself out. But I will tell you, Ethan, when it comes to me voting, oftentimes I am going to look at how that defense functions as a whole. And one of the hard things I think this year, and you brought up Anthony Davis. I've had conversations with multiple players on and off the record about Anthony Davis. And there are many players inside the NBA that think AD is the best defender in the entire league. Now, he hasn't been rewarded the same kind of way, but that's what a lot of players in the NBA, the ones that I have talked to, that's what they think about AD and the kind of impact that he makes on a nightly basis. Here's the problem. It's the same thing with the Spurs. And it's the same thing that the Cavs might run into if they don't turn around their defense. It's the same thing that Memphis might run into if they don't turn around their defense. We're talking about bottom half of the NBA defensive teams, whereas Rudy Gobert is on the number one defensive team in the NBA, right? Kristaps Porzingis is on the number two defensive team in the NBA. It's like you understand that we're talking about individual awards here. But oftentimes, individual awards are tied into team success. So for me, like, who's the one that checks most of the boxes, right? The team success plus the individual success. And it's hard to go against Rudy Gobert right now. He's number one in defensive win shares for a reason. He's as dominant as he has been since leaving Utah. Like, he looks like the old Rudy from the Utah days. He's a great rebounder, and I don't care about what happens in the postseason. I don't. This is a regular season award, and he is a defensive system all to himself. Now, there are other good defenders in Minnesota, too. I think Anthony Edwards is a legitimately good defender. He's pesky on the perimeter. We all know how good McDaniels is for Minnesota, but like the system that Minnesota uses on the defensive end of the floor works the way that it does to make them the number one defense in the NBA to this point because they have Rudy anchoring it. I don't think you can overlook that. And it's hard for me to sit here and say, well, you know, Anthony Davis is more effective or Victor Wembanyama is more effective or Evan Mobley is more effective when their defenses are not performing at the level that Minnesota's is performing at right now. Or even Miami's with Bam Adebayo. I think he's got a better case than some of those other guys. There's two more awards we got to get to. But before that, we're going to take a quick break. Remember to subscribe to Subtext. The first 14 days are free. But when we come back, we're going to go over our picks for six man of the year and most improved. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I might be playing favorites as the new kid in town, but I think Karis LeVert has been crucial off the bench for the Cavs, averaging 19 points a game on 33 minutes played. The only other time he averaged over 20 points was in 2020 when he played with the Nets and the Pacers. I have him as my sixth man of the year out of the gate. What do you think, Chris? He's definitely in that conversation. There's no doubt about it. I think when it comes to any kind of award, Ethan, there is no like catch-all stat that you say, okay, because of this stat, this guy goes to the top. Like I was talking about Rudy Gobert and defensive win shares, but it's not just defensive win shares, right? It's it's how does your defense perform with him on the court versus off the court? It's estimated defensive plus minus. All of these different things go together and then you figure it out based on that. So it's not just one stat that you look at and say, okay, this guy is coming off the bench and he leads the NBA in scoring. So he's got to be the sixth man of the year. Or this guy comes off the bench and this is what they do with him on the court versus off the court. So he's got to be sixth man of the year. There are so many different things that go into this. But I do think Karras is definitely in that conversation. He has been one of the Cavs' most effective players. He has taken well to this six-man role. He has provided a spark off the bench at both ends of the court. He is doing everything that a six-man of the year should be doing for a team that you believe is going to be a contender in the Eastern Conference. But I'll say this. It's hard to make anybody with the Cavs a frontrunner for any individual award when they are four and six and they are outside the play in picture in the Eastern Conference. So for Evan Mobley to get more recognition for Defensive Player of the Year, for Donovan Mitchell to climb higher in the MVP rankings, and for Karis Levert to be the favorite for sixth man of the year, the Cavs have to play better. That's the bottom line. And we're on to our last award. Chris, I'm going to start with you. Who do you have as the most improved player this year? We just talked about how all the stats don't necessarily matter if a team isn't playing as well. So maybe this is an overall most improved award. Who do you got? Tyrese Maxey. I don't know, Ethan, anybody else that really comes to mind. And, and this gets complicated too, right? Because so many people say... Most improved player can't go to a guy who was like the first overall pick or a top five pick because there's just a natural progression that comes with them and there's an evolution of their game and you expect them to be great. But like Anthony Edwards has taken a superstar leap and he wasn't that last year, right? That's got to get some recognition. That's the definition of improvement. You go from one tier of player to another tier of player. And look, I know he was once a first overall pick. So there were huge expectations for him coming into the NBA. But he has taken a superstar caliber leap. That's a big deal. Got to reward that somehow, some way, right? Am I supposed to just ignore that? Because he was the first overall pick? 
it's him, it's Tyrese Maxey. Those are the two guys that really stand out to me early on in this season as guys that have improved significantly and gone into a different stratosphere of player. Like at the beginning of this year, we weren't talking about Tyrese Maxey being one of the premier point guards in the Eastern Conference. Now there's an argument that maybe he's past Darius Garland. Now there's an argument that maybe he's past LaMelo Ball. Now there's an argument that maybe he's past Jalen Brunson, right? Those are the guys that stand out to me. How about you? I was going to say Maxie as well, but because everybody knew that when Harden was coming into this season, that there was either going to be one, he wasn't going to play, and Tyrese Maxie was going to have to step up, or he was going to get traded, and Tyrese Maxie was going to have to step up. Either way, we knew that Maxi was going to have to have a bigger role on the 76ers for them to maintain the success that they needed to be in the top three of the Eastern Conference. I heard a lot of speculation over the offseason of people thought that because it was just going to be Joel Embiid, that the 76ers weren't going to be in the top three, especially with how hungry the Eastern Conference is this season. But Maxi has kept them up there. Maxi has played ridiculously well. And I mean, I agree with you saying Anthony Edwards, and you're right. I watched Anthony Edwards back when he was in high school. Based on his athletic ability, based on how much he was recognized in high school, you expect greatness from him. You expect him to take that leap. And I think my favorite part about Anthony Edwards is not only how he's now playing as hard as possible on both ends of the floor, but he is... One of the most entertaining, you watch his interviews and the dude is hilarious. Like, and being able to have that tenacious ability on the court, but then to also be very personable off the court is something that I admire in a player that is young and wants to be great, but also understands what it takes to get there. So I would have to say for most improved, I would give it to Maxi right now. But if Anthony Edwards keeps his performance up and the Timberwolves somehow take a better record than the 76ers at the end of the season, like we said, it's more of a an overall team thing. I think you have to look that direction. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple of other names that we have to include, at least in the conversation early on this year. Scotty Barnes is having a great year for the Toronto Raptors. He's averaging basically 20 and 10. So it, the leading scorer for the Raptors this year, even more than Pascal Siakam, that's the leap that he has made to the next level of player. I think Cade Cunningham, even though he's got the pedigree, even though he was once the top pick, like the way that he's playing for Detroit is not the way that he played earlier in his career. So I think he deserves at least a little bit of recognition. Alperin Shangoon for Houston has been awesome at both ends of the floor. Cam Thomas for Brooklyn, that's somebody else that stands out. I mean, he's hurt right now, so you kind of out of sight, out of mind. But, you know, he has become somebody who was basically an afterthought for the Nets. And now he's a key piece of their nightly rotation. He's improved greatly. So those are some other names that really stand out to me. But but right now it's Maxi and everybody else, honestly. And that wraps up this episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Sands, and I was joined by Chris Fedor once again. 
make sure you let us know who you think should win these awards on subtext if you subscribe 14 days free we would love to hear what you guys have to say and interact with us on that become a Cavs insider and we are out y'all be safe peace